we are here, we are still here, and it is good to be here in this place together. From the beginning, Andrew? Oh, because it was so much fun the first time. Good morning! Welcome to the Unitarian Church of Edmonton. My name is still Gordon Ritchie. My pronouns are still he and him, and I am still going to be your service leader for this morning. It is wonderful to have you with us here in the sanctuary and online. Uh, we are one of two Unitarian congregations here in the Edmonton re in the region, and it's wonderful to be with you here in the sanctuary and online. Our minister, Reverend Rosemary Morrison, is away spending time with her family this Thanksgiving weekend. We wish her a safe travel and look forward to her return. I'm very excited to have Lewis Cardinal with us this morning as our guest speaker. We'll be hearing from Lewis twice during our service this morning. Today is not only Thanksgiving Sunday, it's also Food Bank Sunday, which I don't know if it's something that we've ever done before, but we're certainly excited to have it on today. I'd like to thank all those who brought food, uh, food products um, to feed the food bank. We have a table set up over to my right for those donations that have come in. Thank you all so very much for supporting the food bank. You all should have received a leaf this morning when you came in. Does anyone not have one? Rosemary, if we would, we'll pass those around. You need a pen as well. Um, during the service, I would like you to think about what you are thankful for. And as you are inspired during the service, write those thoughts down on your leaf. Later on in the service, I'll invite you four to hang your leaves up on our branches to my right. I know Oksana has an announcement today. I have an, an announcement uh, kind of on behalf of uh, three, three of us who are helping to organize an event at the, end of the, at the end of the month. So Janet, our church administrator, Reverend Rosemary, Allie Hammington, and I have come together to organize a Sawan celebration. So you might see it at the back there, and it says Samhain, which is how we read it, but it's pronounced Sawan. So of course we're coming up to the last weekend of, of uh, October, which is you know, traditionally Halloween, but for others they celebrate the Day of the Dead or All Souls Day or All Saints Day, and we really wanted to bring forward Sawan this year. So of course we're looking at a harvest festival that has Celtic backgrounds and really signifies the turning of the season uh, into what is kind of a dark time. And so that weekend specifically is a liminal and celebratory time. We are asking for volunteers, so on your way out, please see the board, and, and we are looking for things like firewood, or people who can pick up hay bales, uh, or people to help make chili or serve drinks, because we have lots planned, including um, bonfires, and pumpkin carving, and tarot readings, and labyrinth walks, all sorts of things that are family-friendly and open to all ages. So please see the lovely posters around the church, or come speak to me if you have any questions. Thank you. Thank you, Oksana. I would like to ask that you take a moment to ensure that any electronic devices that you have with you are either silenced or turned off during the service. Thank you so much. This Thanksgiving Sunday, we harvest bushels of strength from one another and offer our crop with hands of compassion and generosity. 
Let us begin our service in song as we join together our opening hymn number 349 in your hardcover hymn books. We gather together. The text, of course, will be coming up on our screen too, um, also on the uh, screens of those who are with us online. I invite you to rise as you are willing and able as we join in our first hymn number 349, We Gather Together. Excellent. And I trust you that are online are an equally fine voice. Know that we know when you're singing or not, just FYI. Well, this morning you're going to hear the word thankful many times. For instance, I am thankful to be a Unitarian Universalist. I am thankful to be in this place with individuals who are free thinking and spiritual questing. I am thankful that I can feel safe and loved in this space with my husband and joined by others who welcome diversity and understand that a family can take many forms. Whatever your heritage, whatever your ability, whatever you believe, however you identify, well, your being here is cause for thankfulness. And so let us give thanks for this sacred space, this space where we come together as a beloved community to care for each other, to search, to grow, and to heal. And let us be thankful for this sacred land on which we live and for our indigenous sisters and brothers who have lived on and cared for this land for centuries. And when given the opportunity let us be thankful when we hear their language, their songs, and their wisdom. I would like to invite Audrey and Ruth forward to light our chalice, and I'm going to ask Ruth to also light our candle for the people of Ukraine. Audrey will be reading text by Katie Gelford. We light our chalice as a symbol of gratitude as we celebrate the abundance of our lives together. In this sanctuary, we harvest bushels of strength for one another and offer our crop with the hands of compassion and generosity. In the authentic and gentle manner of our connections, we cultivate a simple sweetness to brighten our spirits. 
May we be grateful for the ways we nourish and uplift each other, for it is the sharing of this hallowed time together that sustains us. Thank you, Ruth. Audrey, don't you go anywhere. You get back here. I have work for you, and I'm thankful that you're here. <laughs> yes, we're going to continue with... No, 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 it's all good. We have a responsive reading for you. It's number 656, A Harvest of Gratitude by Percival Chubb. And here it comes up on your screens. I'm going to read the bold font, and Audrey is going to lead you in reading the italicized text. Audrey, I need you over here, please. I have it here. I've got this worked out. Yeah? There was a plan. All right. And so we begin a harvest of gratitude. Once more, the fields have ripened to harvest, and the fruitful earth has fulfilled the promise of spring. It's been recorded. They have sown and reaped, planted and gathered. How rich and beautiful is the bounty gathered, the golden grain and clustered corn and grapes of purple and green. The crimson apples and yellow pears and all the colors of orchard and garden, vineyard and field. Season follows after season, after winter the spring, after summer the harvest laden autumn. From bud to blossom, from flower to fruit, from seed to bud again, the beauty of earth unfolds. From the harvest of the soil, we are given occasion to garner a harvest of heart and mind. A harvest of resolve to be careful stewards of all life's gifts and opportunities. A harvest of reverence for the wondrous power and life at work in things that grow and in the soil. A harvest of gratitude for every good which we enjoy and of fellowship for all who are sustained by Earth's blessing. Thank you, Barbara. It's very important for the Church Services Committee and Reverend, uh, Reverend <laughs> Audrey Brooks, I'm sure it's important for you too, but also for Reverend Rosemary Morrison to make sure that we maintain a, a good connection with those who are with us online. So I'm going to ask the tech crew to work their magic and bring Beth Jenkins into the sanctuary virtually. Beth has a reading for us. It's entitled, Let Us Give Thanks, and it's by Max Coots, and it is one of my favorite readings. And we're looking for Beth. Is there a Beth in the house? There she is. Good, mo good morning, Beth. Good morning, Gordon. Good morning, everyone. It's lovely to have you with us. Whenever you're ready. Thank you, Beth. Let us give thanks by Max Hoot. Let us give thanks for a bounty of eating, for children who are our second planting. And though they grow like weeds and the wind too soon blows them away, 
May they forgive us our cultivation and fondly remember where their roots are. For generous friends, with hearts and the smiles as bright as the blossoms. For feisty friends, as tart as apples. For continuous friends, who like scallions and cucumbers, keep reminding us that we have had them. For crotchety friends, as sour as rhubarb and is indestructible. For handsome friends, for as gorgeous as eggplants, and as elegant as a row of corn, and the others, as plain as potatoes, and as good for you. For funny friends, who are silly as Brussels sprouts, and as amusing as Jerusalem Armageddon, and serious friends, as complex as cauliflower, and as intricate as onions, for friends as pretentious as cabbages, as subtle as summer squash, as persistent as parsley, as delightful as dill, as endless as zucchini, and who, like parsnips, can be counted on to see you throughout the winter. For old friends, nodding like sunflowers in the evening time, and young friends coming on as fast as radishes. For loving friends, who wind around us like tendrils and hold us despite our blights, wilts, and withers. And finally, for those friends now gone, like gardens past that have been harvested and who fed us in their times that we might have life thereafter. For all of these, we give thanks. Amen. So may it be. Thank you so much, Beth. I don't know about you, but I was certainly thinking of all my many friends and family and how some of them might relate to what Beth was talking about. I think it's time to sing again. Let's join in hymn number 21, For the Beauty of the Earth. I invite you to rise as you are willing and able as we join in singing number 21, For the Beauty of the Earth.
Well, it is my great pleasure to introduce to you our guest speaker. Louis Cardinal is a communicator and educator. He has dedicated his life's work to creating and maintaining connections and relationships in cross-cultural divides. His work has mirrored his personal vision of a socially just and responsive society. Now, I must say that that comes from a brief bio that Lewis sent me, and I can only imagine what his full length is like, his brief one being quite impressive. Lewis is Woodland Cree from the Sucker Creek Cree First Nation in Northern Alberta. His consulting company specializes in indigenous education and communications project development. As I mentioned earlier, Lewis will be speaking twice during our service. You've already heard me speak of sacred space. Lewis will continue this theme as he talks about Edmonton's first urban indigenous ceremonial grounds, of which he is project manager. Lewis, would you please join me on stage? It is an honor to have you with us this morning. Thank you. On behalf of the members and friends of the Unitarian Church of Edmonton, I offer you this tobacco. We ask for your wisdom and guidance so that we may strengthen our commitment to the healing of our indigenous sisters and brothers as we continue on a path of reconciliation. Please welcome Louis Cardinal. Thank you for the wonderful introduction, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Um, my name is Louis Cardinal, but my ceremony name in my tradition is Sipigogisik, which means blue sky. And when I was given that name, I was instructed that my life's work would be to build bridges between worlds that do not understand each other. And that pretty much defines uh, my life's work and the work that I continue to do. We're living in a time that it presents itself to be uncertain, but there is love in the hearts of all of us here, and I want to acknowledge the light in yourself with the light of my own, that we come together in times of uncertainty, but times of celebration like today, to sit with each other, to listen to each other, to reach out to each other as family and friends. So I am grateful. Today I want to share with you a bit of a story about a sacred place, but also a story of reconciliation and something that has taken its time, but certainly is yielding great fruit and abundance for our community already. Sixteen years ago, I was working with some elders here in Edmonton. Uh, we were hosting an international conference called Healing Our Spirit Worldwide. And they approached me and asked if there was a location within the city where they might be able to have ceremony during this week-long international conference. And of course, I said, absolutely, I know a perfect spot. And I recommended what uh, some of you may know as the Old Fox Farms site. Uh, it's now the White Mud Nature Preserve or the White Mud Park on the very north end of the uh, White Mud Preserve. So we started to use that site unofficially. But we presented a concept, myself and Elder Will Campbell, some of which you may know. He and I approached the city and made this formal request. 
And it took a while to convince some of our city officials to take our uh, request seriously. But we persisted. And in 2008, they accepted our proposal as worthy of exploration. So began our journey in working with the city. And the city in its nature and its function oftentimes can make it difficult for things to move forward. You know, and um, there are reasons for that. Uh, I'll attest it, absolutely. But we started to share a vision. We said that in the future we see a young man standing with his young sister and his mother just outside of the uh, Edmonton Center shopping center and he has a towel wrapped up underneath his arm and somebody noticing him and his family asked him where are you going swimming and he said well we're not going swimming actually we're going to a place called Kichiaski I'm gonna go into a sweat lodge and I'm bringing my little sister because she's never seen one and I'm, I'm bringing my mother because she's also never participated in one so we're going together as a family we're gonna meet some elders and we're gonna pray so that vision then is something that we started to share with the city and we saw that and we realized that if you see something in your mind's eye the chances of it becoming real increases twofold so we shared that vision in 2009 no, 2010, we then were uh, allocated some funds to do community consultation. Now, reconciliation isn't just between Canadians and Indigenous people. It's also amongst Indigenous people ourselves. We had to go to our community, and we gathered together 120 Indigenous elders from across Alberta to ask these simple questions. One, can we have ceremonies in the city because at that time, that was a very contentious issue. There were some traditionalists who felt that the city was too dirty for us to have our ceremonies in. But then again, the other side of the table said, no, this is where we need to have ceremonies. We know that 70% of indigenous people across Canada no longer make their traditional communities their homes. They're not living in their First Nations or Métis settlements or traditional communities. They're in the urban centers. 70%. Now our concern was that the young generations were not accessing their culture. We knew that one of the most um, important things about wellness and healthiness is knowing yourself. And our traditions and our ceremonies have those processes by which we can learn, by which we can balance ourselves and walk in harmony throughout our life. So it becomes really important. So we had that discussion, and the elders built consensus, and they said, yes, we need to have ceremonies in, in the city. Not the big ceremonies like sun dances and vision quests, but sweat lodges, healing ceremonies, pipe ceremonies, a place to spiritually celebrate our relationships. The city, through this, stood with us, supported us in gathering this information. We then asked these elders, well, where would we have these ceremonies? Where would we have this area? And they said, so long as it's still embraced by Mother Earth. And White Mud Park met that. And it still does. There, the white mud itself on the banks of the White Mud Creek Ravine is sacred 
We use it in our ceremonies, particularly rites of passage ceremonies for young women, where they'll erect a teepee and, and uh, lay on the ground a covering of white mud, where the young woman will stay for four days, and elder women and knowledge keepers then meet with her for four days and give her lessons and teachings about becoming an adult. And then on the fourth day, she arises and becomes the woman who she is. Also, what we were happy to discover, quite, quite coincidentally, is that there was a, um, uh, an ochre deposit there. And an, an ochre is something also very important and sacred to our people for our ceremonies as well. And as we began to research the area more and collect more oral histories, we started to find that people used to gather there for picking medicines, for picking berries. There's oral history that still exists of memories from great-grandparents stopping at that place before coming into the, the town or the city or Fort Edmonton itself. So it connected us to history, connected us to our ancestors. So we kept persevering. And the city stood beside us through this whole process. They came to ceremony. They shared with us their concerns. They shared with us their, their visions. We started to work together in a way that had never seen before. Suddenly the doors were open. Because we sat in circle as equals, because we sat in circle as human beings with a common concern. We saw each other in each other's eyes. When we trade stories with each other, we started to see ourselves in each person's story. And that is an important step towards relationship building. Because when you see yourself in another person's story, you no longer are a stranger. So that's the first threads of building a great and strong relationship. So with our Council of Elders, they continued to provide us that guidance. Whenever we had struggle, we would go into ceremony and the city stood with us. They have paid for the construction of the site, $6.5 million. That's unheard of in our relationships. We hope to inspire other cities to do the same, to meet the needs of their indigenous people in their communities with access to ceremonial space. And so far, I've gotten four telephone calls from Toronto, Saskatoon, Winnipeg, and Calgary, saying we want to do the same thing as well. So for me, this is a story about reconciliation. It's a story of promise. It's a story of how people can come together, sharing a common vision to make the changes they see. So now I look, when I drive by Edmonton Center, I look for that young person there, and I see a lot of young people who I know are starting to learn about Kitschiaski and who I know are ready to come. And now our construction, construction will be done at the end of this month. And we will start the process of opening it for ceremony, but not just for Indigenous people. The doors will be open for non-Indigenous people to come and sit with us again in circle and learn and trade story and be like family. So thank you. Thank you so much, Lewis. I would like to tell you a little bit about our Charity of the Month. Inspired by the ideals and philosophies of Mahatma Gandhi, Child Haven International is a registered not-for-profit charity 
founded in 1985. They assist children and women in developing countries who are in need of food, education, healthcare, shelter and clothing, emotional and moral support. One half of the unidentified cash that received during the month of October will be donated to Child Haven International. As we sing our offertory hymn, which is one of our hymns of the month, number 1015, I know I can, the offering will be collected. Please rise in body and spirit as we sing together, I know I can. We thank you for your generosity of spirit and action. Through all we do here in this community and in the wider world, we are involved in the important work, the spiritual work of creation and compassion. As we receive the offering, let us join in singing from you I receive. his next segment, we asked Lewis, what does the idea of reconciliation mean to a group like UCE? Please welcome back, Lewis. Thank you once again. Uh, just a note on the uh, offering that was given to me earlier, um, what I'll be doing with that. There's tobacco and a print offering, which is a very traditional gift. 
is that uh, as, it, as it rests where it's at now, we, um, it'll collect our thoughts here today. And so that we can, so then I can present it at Kijiaski in, in a sacred fire to, uh, to bless all of you and your families here. So thank you for that gift again, I appreciate it. As I was mentioning before with the city of Edmonton, reconciliation was a, a journey. And it was a very enriching journey. To be able to learn from each other as a community, first of all, as an indigenous community, it was important for us to, uh, to take that time because it's a healing journey as well. Uh, as you've probably heard a number of times, reconciliation is not a destination. It's a, it's a way of life. It's something that we have to continuously do and be vigilant about in the work and the affairs that, that we tend to. When we talk about reconciliation, we have to think about it as a verb. We have to think about it as an action. Indigenous languages are, uh, are verb-based languages. They're, they're action-oriented. It's to do something. And so within reconciliation, it's about what do we do together? Edmonton's a good example of the time and tenacity it takes to develop something unique like this. But there are many other things that we can do within our own communities within our own organizations, how we can reach out to the community by working together. Reconciliation gives us the opportunity to build a garden. And the, the old saying is, if you want to know your neighbor, put in a garden together. Because you will learn about each other. You will strengthen your neighborliness, your friendship, and you will have a relationship that is reliable and strong. That's the benefits of, of building gardens together. Because we as human beings are hardwired to rely upon each other. I don't think that we could have survived as a species if we did not have that knowledge of living together as one. When the first settlers came to North America, indigenous peoples recognize the gift that they brought with them as well. Within our traditions, we are taught that different nations of people have different gifts and talents and knowledge. Their languages contain information and ancient wisdom. It's only when we come together, sit in circle, sit in council, and share those words and those knowledges that we learn from each other and improve our own consequences. That's the importance of coming together. Now, my dear friend and mentor, unfortunately passed away some years ago, uh, Elijah Harper. Some of you may remember him and his name and his good works that he did do. In 2008, when they announced the, uh, the launch of the uh, Truth and Reconciliation uh, Commission, I had approached him and I had asked him, so what do you think about this? And he said, well, I did think about it long and hard. And what I've come to realize is that if we leave reconciliation to the governments, we'll never achieve it. But if we sit as grassroots people and sit in circle, and circle is important because circle recognizes the equity and the equality in each of us. We all come also with our own individual gifts. But he said, it's when the people sit together and talk and share, that's when you're really going to start to see 
reconciliation. And we're seeing that. I'm really pleased to see in the work that I do within the interfa interfaith communities of how we are gathering, how we, the grassroots people, are coming together to share and to learn from each other, because there is so much to learn. There is a lot to share, and there's a lot to do. So by sitting together and saying, how can we make reconciliation a reality in our spheres of influence, in our church, in our gathering places? It's coming together to say, you know, we can do something. It's better than to prescribe than it is to sit with people and collectively decide what it is that we want to do. We do have guideposts, though. We have the 94 calls to reconciliation. Oh, maybe about 20% of them have been fulfilled uh, federally and, and provincially. We still have a lot more work to do. Um, we have the, uh, uh, the 43 articles of the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People. And these are only frames to give us an idea of how and what we can do and what we can do to support the relationship that needs to be repaired between Indigenous people and Canadians. And one thing that frames these all together is the concept of treaties. And if there was one message I was, I was to leave before I shuffle off this mortal coil, is that treaties are the framework of what Canada is and what Canada is about from coast to coast to coast. These treaties are not uh, contracts. They are sacred covenants. Each treaty that was made was done in ceremony, done underneath as we considered the eye of the creator, usually at high noon, so that nothing can hide in the shadows. But what it was and what it is, is an adoption ceremony. It's where one nation adopts another nation, and we become like family. The very first treaty in 1613 was the two-row wampum treaty between the Dutch and the Haudenosaunee, the Mohawk people. And within this treaty, it had a wampum belt about four feet long, about maybe six inches wide, and it has three white stripes on it and two purple stripes in the center. And that represents the vessels, my people and the settlers, going side by side in this great river of life and benefiting from the bounty that the river has to offer us. But not one boat or one canoe out rowing or surpassing the other. And it is not for me to jump into that boat, to that vessel and try to steer it as it is the other way. But we will be together, bounded by peace, friendship, and understanding. And those three white stripes on that very first treaty is peace, friendship, and understanding. A subsequent treaty, once the Dutch left, then one of my relatives, it's my eighth great-grandfather, then being a Haudenosaunee in his tradition at the time, he then went to Albany with his people with a, with a, a refurbished treaty from the two-row wampum, and it was called the Silver Chain Covenant, a sacred covenant bounded by these links that were peace, friendship, and understanding. Again, reinforcing the idea of family. Canada is a family. And we come, as brothers and sisters do, with a lot of uh, gifts and talents. So 
the foundation of Canada is those treaties and to recognize that we are family and we need to stand with each other during the hard times and the good times. We also recognize that the treaties then create that space for us to work in. So this is the framework. And the question then becomes, well, what do we do? What can we do? Individually, we have relationships that we need to reach out to within our own spheres of influences, within our own relationship networks, to send a positive message of working with Indigenous communities and rectifying and correcting and help, helping to correct what the past may have done wrong to, to our peoples as well. But also, let's think broader in some of the communities within our community here in the city that we've also marginalized, intentionally or otherwise. Having opportunities to sit and talk. If there was one constructive act, I would say, is create the opportunities for people to come together. Not only to celebrate, but to share. And I've seen communities change given that opportunity. Because when we sit in circle, as the elders teach us, each one of us have a gift. And when we're sitting in circle, in the very center, let's use a, a vase, for example. And this vase has many different symbols on it. But I could only see what I can see from my angle. Each one of us have a, has a unique position. And once we start to share what we see on that vase, we all begin to learn more about what that vase is. And then when you talk about the symbology of what the, what the, base, uh, the vase means, then we learn more information. It becomes a multi-dimensional reality. So you remove that vase and you put in a social issue or a question and take our times, each of us, to share what we see. We begin to uncover, recover, and discover possibilities of how we can address issues together. There is a lot of work to be done, but it can be done in a way that reflects the very core and essence of who we are as Canadians. And so with that, I'll leave you with that message. Thank you. Thank you, Lewis. As we prepare for a time of quiet reflection, I want to make sure that everyone has written something on their leaf for which they are grateful. I have a reading which will be followed by a moment of silence. Once Karen begins to play, I'll invite you to come forward to our branches over on my right and hang your leaf onto the branches. For those of you who are with us online, I invite you to add your thoughts, your thankfulness into the chat. And so I offer you a thankful meditation by Elizabeth M. Strong. Let us rejoice for the families who have gathered this Thanksgiving to express their thanks and to celebrate at the bounty of their lives. Let us join together in support of those whose families are far away with distances in many forms. Let us hold one another in gentle reverence this holiday of Thanksgiving, for we are here to celebrate, to worship, to be thankful for what we have. Life, newly born among us this year, will carry our legacy into the future. Death among us this year 
has given us tears of sorrows and yesterdays to remember. Illnesses, accidents, surgery among us this year will remind us of the fragility of our lives. We have had marriages, reunions, reconciliations, and we have had and still do have our beloved community, our religious home where we come together in love and compassion. For all these things, we give thanks this day. Let us enter the silence together.
these branches that were before us when we entered this sacred space were bare. If we look at them now, they are filled with blessings. They're filled with joy. They're filled with compassion. They're filled with the thoughts and love of this blessed community. May we be thankful. Blessed be. Life is the greatest gift of all. As the opening line of our closing hymn, number 331, I invite you to rise as you're willing and able that we join in the singing of number 331, Life is the Greatest Gift of All. Yes, indeed, our grateful spirit sings. Please have a seat. I would like to invite up uh, Reverend Rosemary and Ruth one more time. Oh, Audrey, Audrey, Reverend Audrey. Reverend Rosemary, wherever you are, we give thanks to you and to Reverend Audrey, who is coming forth with Ruth to extinguish our chalice this morning. And I'm supposed to be retired, so this is my retirement speech. May the glory of the passing away of autumn by Barbara at J. Pescan. May the glory of the passing away of autumn lie about us fresh gold for a time. And when the dark comes and the cold, may we remember how today we stand in glory, how we walk in bounty, heaped upon earth's dark carpet, how we move knee-deep in abundance, flung against night's winter's curtain. We are thankful for its coming and for its passing. Let it be. Thank you, Audrey and Ruth. Our closing words are by Audrey Moll. May we remember 
that when you share with me what is most important, that is where listening begins. When I show you that I hear you, when I say life matters, that is where compassion begins. When I risk my comfort to ease your suffering, when I act against hatred, violence, and injustice, that is where courage begins. Because of our shared humanity, because of our indifferences, that is where holy gratitude begins. May it be so. Blessed be. Time for some more gratefulness. I was thinking about all the people who take part in the service, and it made me think even beyond those people who are gathered here this morning. And I'm thinking about all those within our office who put together our Friday emails with all the wonderful news and activities that are going on within our community. Then I think of all the volunteers who help to keep this space working. I'm grateful this morning and thankful for those who are greeters, our coffee makers, our musicians, our ushers, our tech team, those here in the sanctuary, and those who have been supporting us online as well. My thanks to you all. It is our tradition to rise in body and spirit. I would ask if you wish to put a hand on your, on your neighbor's shoulder as we join together in singing our closing song, Carry the Flame of Peace and Love, until we meet again. Have a blessed Thanksgiving. <laughs>